I'm Les Miles, and this is Less is More. Here we are, week seven, Less is More, Players' Tribune podcast, and uh, we're going to have some fun. Uh, John Wangler, Les Miles, and anybody in the hallway that we might just grab to throw in and on the podcast. Plus, where's Smacker tonight? Smacker is coming from Houston, having uh, had Macy Miles. Macy Miles pitched against a bunch of 18-year-olds and is um, um, currently uh, riding back. And um, Macy Miles took a – how about this one, John? Line drive to the foot. The ball stops. She picks it up, and throws them out, and she said, "Listen, Dad, I think that's what I, I think I'll do that from now on." She said, it's "Just you know, it's the soccer style of uh, defensive play and fast pitch softball." I said, "I said, girl, I she said, hey, it, it hurts after, but not so much right now." And I said, "Okay, well, good." So Macy's always been an innovator. Yeah, He's always been an innovator for the game. So. We would know that too, John. So. Uh, yeah. So, but, uh, so here's what happened. Let's take, let's take this first. Okay. Dan Mullen, the Florida head coach, really fine football coach. Um, his player, it's a Vanderbilt player. And I, and I saw it and it was not a, a wildly targeting hit. It wasn't like launch in helmet to helmet. And what it was, was shoulder to helmet and a, a Florida guy who went down to stop any further advancement um, and he hits this uh, this Vanderbilt guy and it was a very significant contact. I mean, you can see that there was the, the Vanderbilt man did not move um, well. He didn't he move slowly and um, so um, apparently um, the Florida defensive coordinator, Grantham, starts talking to um the Mason, the head football coach at Vanderbilt, and it kind of gets things riled up a little bit. And um, the uh, Dan Mullen comes over to Mason and starts defending the hit and doesn't really even know that anything's going on with Grantham, right? And so this thing um, clears the benches so that, and then, and then the posturing that goes on in a team setting when people are aligned and not wanting to necessarily start the fight. But if the fight starts, they want to be in the right position to protect the teammate or to jump in. And uh, um, I uh, it, apparently the two coaches, the two head coaches, had to be separated. I, uh, I can tell you this. Um, Bo, our, our coach, would have had a fit if somebody would have said something to him or one of his players, but he would have always had poise enough not to throw a punch at another coach. Now, John, am I right? I mean, give me your shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, one thing Bo is very uh, uh, verbal or aggressive with. Uh, situations, you know, like that, especially when there is 
penalties involved, and, and he was not going to be shy about the referee. What he would always hate, right, and he wouldn't stand for, would be like another assistant coach in the background chirping and fighting. That's right. If, that, that if, if, any, if any commentary was going to be had, it was going to come out of Bo's mouth, and he was going to be the one making his point. And, you know, I think when you start having a lot of background noise and uh, from your coaches, uh, which incites the players, and then the thing, you know, just escalates. But uh, one thing about Bo, no, he would never uh, – now, he would get right there in a referee's face or a player's face or – and, or, and I never really saw him get in, in an opposing coach's face. I never saw any of that. It was more a referee or a, a player who, who made well, him mad. Well, it had, not yeah, it had to be where Mason came across the field to check on his player. It, I mean, because that's the only way the proximity of the two coaches, because if one stays on his side and the other one stays on his side, like in the old days, by and large, um, they would never get close enough to, to have any altercation. Right, right, right. Well, I want you to know, John. In the uh, we we played Tennessee, and uh, um, in the last play of the game, we had uh, they Tennessee had thirteen players on the field, not a, not twelve, thirteen. They had thirteen players on the field, and um, okay. um, we snapped the ball just before the the uh, clock runs down. The we basically get on the ball and and that's the end of the game and the end of the game at that point in time um, appeared to be where Tennessee had finished first well the uh, um, then there was this flag in the, in the end zone and we said we, had, we need to hold it guys let's let's go back to our benches here and and uh, found out that there was a flag and that the the it would be basically an untimed down on the um, yard and a half yard or, you know, a yard and a half. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we, uh, uh, we put the ball in the end zone on that play. And I had shake, I had shook, shaked hands with the, with uh, Derek Dooley, who was the head coach at uh, Tennessee at the time. I shook his hand and, uh, and he won. And then we snapped the ball and we put it across the goal line and we won. Okay. They didn't win. We won. So, but, but but Derek was headed towards the locker room, okay. And I wanted to go shake his hand so badly. <laughs> I went <laughs> a, I went after him hard to just catch him, right? And, uh, yep. and after I caught him, certainly he was uh, very very gentlemanly about it. But uh, um, that was really, I think, the only time that I had gotten into a position where I could actually have had you know a physical altercation with a coach. The the post game um, communications, you know, you know, congratulations, great, great job, uh, you know, uh, got your team going, um, you know. However, however it played, I, w- I was never the style of coach that wanted to say, "Yeah, you're a jackass," and all that. So this week, the week of upsets. It seems like it happens every year, though. You know, John, dominoes just fall right, and and, mm-hmm. and suddenly the the top of the order changes. And uh, certainly, no no game was more evident of that than everybody figured 
that a second-ranked Georgia team was going to come into LSU into Tiger Stadium and take victory. And I just want you to know, I just never thought that was going to happen. And and the reason that I did, one, it, that Tiger Stadium, it's different. It's you don't you don't when you play the Tigers there, you know there's some magic in that place, and it just it just happens. And uh, I uh, I can I can tell you this that the Jake Fromm's offense was not what he expected it to be because that defense that LSU can put on the field is lightning fast and physical. And um, Jake Fromm's defense, and that, that Georgia defense, is a very quality defense, but they got some young linebackers. And, you know, frankly, it would LSU never trailed. And then old Joe Barrow, oh, did he get loose for a late one that sealed it. He, uh, I, you know, I don't want to, I want to say it was 60 yards, and uh, he ran it down to about the uh, – six, seven, eight-yard line and uh, took the time that they needed and scored. And, and a uh, a 36-16 is a nice score against a second-ranked team in the country. Well, we both picked it uh, last week, right? I, I followed suit, but you uh, you were touting that defense, and, and they you were exactly right, that, that, that defense, and it is a different place, and I experienced it. Not like you, but I was down there uh, for a game uh, and saw what kind of magic is in that stadium uh, at night. And how about going four for four on fourth down? Uh, that that was uh, that's uh, you talk about uh, rolling the dice and and uh, and hitting it. And uh, that was how key was that? And then uh, you know the fact how LSU they they have not uh, they don't lose. They're seven and zero coming off of a loss uh, with Ogeron, and that's uh, that says a lot. So uh, say, that was a huge it, win. It sounds like it sounds like to me that there's a a response that is a a, a pretty settled in one that that they understand that you know you don't want to f- finish second twice. You, you lose a right. game, you lose a game, but uh, you do not want to finish second twice, and uh, that's and. And and what a nice response uh, against the second ranked team in the country. Ooh, so it, it, yeah, that uh, that puts them in the conversation uh, solidly in the conversation for uh, the postseason. Yeah, I I think the uh, I think when you look at uh, the uh, the defense, here's the here are the things going into the game. George was averaging averaging thirty forty three points per game. Uh, 245 yards rushing and uh, and scored uh, 16 on 113 yards rushing. So now um, Jake Fromm was three of 10 on third down, and um, Jake Fromm says after the game about Dave Aranda's adjustments, they lined up in things that we had not seen on film. And, and to be very honest with you, I think that's exactly what you need to do on third down. You need to give them a wrinkle that they are not expecting. And I uh, hats off to Dave Aranda. Hats off to uh, Ed Ogeron, four for four on fourth down. That's a, that's a, if, you, if you're, a, uh, if, if you're a, a head coach that knows what's going on, that fourth down, you know it. 
you you know what the what the situation is. You know what they're likely to play. You know the uh, pass or the run that you're calling on. And uh, way to go, Ed. That's uh, that's four big ones. So um, that was huge. And the, and the the thing about it, uh, when you got a defense like LSU's, right, a championship caliber defense, and you got a quarterback who starts to develop and has been developing all season long. Uh, and that offense is starting to, to, to catch up uh, with that defense. Uh, you got a real chance to make some noise, and that's exactly what these guys are doing. No, you're exactly right, John. Now, that kind of put it, sets up the uh, Alabama-LSU uh, game, and, and they're playing that one in Tiger Stadium. And uh, as the season unfolds, that LSU-Alabama game is going to be big. Number six, West Virginia loses to an unranked, Iowa State uh, team, 30-14. to 14. Well, c- certainly the sixth-ranked West Virginia loss, no surprise to me because I thought how they played with the ball and not necessarily ball security. And, and if an Iowa State um, could step up and play at a high level for 60 minutes, I, I, that doesn't surprise me. So you, John? No, I tell you, I'm a big fan of Matt Campbell. Uh, he's done a great job out there. I knew him when he was at Toledo. Uh, he recruited my son, Jared, and uh, I think he's one of the, the great, bright, young coaches out there. And, uh, you know, he upset TCU last year, and uh, that's not a huge surprise to me. I feel the same way about West Virginia, and, uh, you know, that's uh, that's something for Iowa State to pull off an upset like that two years in a row. And uh, that, he's got that program going so the seven-ranked team, Washington, loses at Oregon. Okay, and I know this, that uh, Bill McCartney took a really fine uh, Colorado team, played uh, Oregon in a, uh, a tough, tough uh, game, and uh, the Colorado Buffaloes finished second. But uh, that is a tough place to play, a loud venue and uh, that uh, air raid offense. They're, they're running it with the, fullback, or with the quarterback, and they're throwing it just everywhere they can. What do you think about that one, John? You know, it, it is a tough place to play up there. You know, they they got to have something to do when it's not track season, so they do get excited up there. <laughs> uh, but uh, I I wasn't as shocked about that one as as maybe some of the other ones that happened on Saturday. Honestly, I uh, it is a tough place to play, and and I was not buying Washington. Uh, they were the to me, they were the best of the West, at the, you know, early in the year. Uh, but I, I'm not that shocked at that upset. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was surprised that the number eight Penn State uh, Nittany Lions lose to an unranked Michigan State team. Nothing surprises me about Michigan State and, and, and toughness and, and tackle football. But I just felt like Penn State was not going to lose to Michigan State and Ohio State in the same year again. What'd you think, John? Yeah, I agree. Um, Les, that that was one of the big upsets, you know, in my mind, uh, especially being, you know, in Happy Valley. Uh, Penn State, you know, knowing number eight rank, knowing that uh, you know Michigan is is looming here in a couple weeks. Uh, they knew they could ill afford to lose to Michigan State, and especially at home. Uh, I just, 
you know, hats off to Coach D'Antonio and, and uh, you know, coming up with creative ways to, to win the game. I mean, he's he's been known to come up with, you know, trick plays or trickery or whatever. Yeah, and fake punt they, and fake fake field goal, both, right? Yeah, and they, uh, they you know, so, so you're going, uh, you know, Penn State obviously talked about what happened last year where they, they went back-to-back losses to both Ohio State and Michigan State. And, um, you know, it, it, to me, if a team's going for a championship, this was inexcusable, especially in your home stadium. So I know this one's going to sting for a long time uh, w- with Penn State, but give Michigan State credit. They, they, they hung in there and they did what they had to do, and they pulled up a huge upset, pulled off a huge upset uh, on the road knowing they got their rival game uh, next week. So back-to-back, they're playing Penn State and Michigan, and that's uh, them to go out there and do that coming off a loss is, is you know, very impressive. Yeah, you know, getting the victory there kind of sets up the, a, a great week of practice for the Michigan game, and, uh, and they, they need that Michigan game to have a New Year's Day bowl berth. So uh, that's going to be... We have to mark. We have to mark that one down. Make sure we're we're uh, uh, sitting next to the uh, to the TV for that one. The uh, or you, John, on the other hand, I'll be I'll be live. I'll be I'll be live <laughs> and in person up there in East Lansing. I love so, that. Uh, I love that. Can't wait. Can't yeah. wait. Wisconsin loses. Thank goodness, right? Fifteen Wisconsin loses to number twelve Michigan, and the way things have gone in the season. I say that Michigan is hitting stride. I, I like their defense. It appears to me they're letting the offense um, uh, mature and, and complement that defense. The uh, Shea Patterson is growing into the position. I think he has a 60-yard run or, or something along those lines and is, is throwing the ball um, over half. Uh, half the time is complete, and so it's – it's a much different Wisconsin, excuse me, much different Michigan team than uh, the team that played uh, Notre Dame at the beginning of the season. It sure is, Les. Yeah, <clears throat> that defense has continued to to dominate and um, uh, get better. It's a championship level quality type defense, and our offense has gotten better each week. And, and my hats off to. Uh, Ed Warner and uh, his offensive line coach and, and, and Coach Harbaugh, that offensive line has, has really uh, turned the corner. And uh, Shea Patterson uh, gives them another dimension that we haven't had here in a long time. Uh, we we ran a lot of zone read uh, this week, and, and Patterson uh, kept it. And he, and he had an unbelievable running game, threw the ball well. He's not turning the ball over, and he's really developing and hitting stride it's been nice to see. We got uh, Kron Higdon went over 100 yards rushing the ball, so we got we got some real balance offensively, and that defense has given us some time to develop this offense, and it's been uh, it's, it's been great to see, and uh, it does set us up really nice for a uh, a backyard brawl up in East Lansing, and, uh, and that's what it's going to be. But uh, when Patterson can throw for over 100 and rush for for 90. Uh, that's uh, that's something we haven't had here, and uh, I, I uh, they've been fun to watch. So uh, we'll keep a close eye next week. But Wisconsin, to their defense, uh, was nicked up a lot in the secondary. 
Um, they had some injuries across the board, so um, they weren't at full strength. But uh, you know, they came out there and uh, we took it to them. And uh, it could have been a little worse than it was, actually. That's that's a nice win, considering that they were ranked in the top five at the beginning of the season. Yep. Yeah. So I, uh, I that was a, that's a nice win. So Miami loses to an unranked Virginia, sixteen thirteen. Now I, I just I got to tell you that one is a shocker. I, uh, I I have always thought that Miami had more talent than they are, you know, than the scores revealing, and when you uh, when you lose to an unranked team and with in that conference in in the ACC, all you have to do is string together a couple of wins and you're playing in the championship. I mean, it just it's just the way it is, and uh, the uh, you know to lose sixteen thirteen. Now I remember a sixteen thirteen John years ago uh, when a young uh, Oklahoma State uh, team went to. Um, uh, Norman, and played a very talented, well-coached uh, Bob Stoops OU team, and won by that identical score, sixteen thirteen. And uh, uh, the uh, uh, it was a, a wonderful day, and I suspect it was an equally wonderful day for that Virginia team because, frankly, they didn't anticipate winning until they got on the bus on the way home. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, no one would have picked that one. That was uh, mm-hmm. that was one of the big upsets of the day for sure. And uh, and that's a Miami team that is fighting, uh, you know, to to get to the, the upper echelon, and uh, for them to to experience that, and uh, that's uh, that's a setback. But uh, hats off to Virginia to go go in there and get that done. Yeah, well, you know, it's an interesting thing. The that league, Clemson, with the loss. To Virginia, Miami is likely not a ranked team, and Clemson may not have a ranked opponent to play in the ACC championship. Now, how about that? Yeah, that's uh, that, that's going to be interesting, and uh, that'll hurt their chances, right? When the committee views them down the road, yeah. I mean, you're you're looking. That's not uh, that's not favorable for them. So, all you look at you, all you can play is your schedule, but. <clears throat> It's, it, it, that will be a consideration when they're evaluating those final four teams at the end of the year. Well, if you look at, uh, I, you know, we were at the Kathy and I were at the uh, UNC um, Virginia Tech game, and it was really a well played game. It was tough as hell, and uh, but the Virginia Tech quarterback could not throw. Okay, uh, the the the. Uh, University of uh, North Carolina team could throw it some and run it really well and, frankly, should well have won that game. Um, the, the turnovers, again, um, cost a, a very, very uh, capable um, UNC team victory. But think about this. You, Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion. Are you kidding me? I mean, they just started football. I mean, it, it's it, it's just a surprise that that uh, old Dominion team could could hang with any of the teams in that conference. But you know, it again yeah. lets you know how close the the uh, parity is in that conference, and there really isn't a a a 
the style of team that steps in front and can win the championship, except for Clemson. I mean, they got, there's really one team in the league that has shown through through games that they are they can be a championship team, and that's Clemson. Well, and and, and I know before the season, the preseason, you know, we were talking whether it's Florida State. I know Boston College had high hopes, you know. So there, there's, there were some teams that were making some noise about, you know, knocking Clemson off their perch, but uh, no one has stepped up uh, and, and proven that so far this year. Yeah. Auburn loses to an unranked Tennessee team, 30-24. to 24. It's uh, – that is – I just want you to know something. Auburn – you just think you're starting to believe that they can play well enough to win something, and then it's then suddenly it uh, they uh, they lose to Tennessee and and Tennessee had strung together two wins in in the length of the time that they've been playing this this year. Um, I uh, it's interesting. So uh, what do you think about that, John? Well, this SEC right is getting getting turned on its head. It, it's uh, yeah, it, Auburn. You know, we, we've been buying Auburn early in the year, thinking that they're going to be able to make a move, and 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 then to to have Tennessee. That says a lot for a first first year coach there at Tennessee going and taking taking Auburn down. But uh, you know, the I, I would not. That was that was another one of the ones. Uh, Auburn wasn't as highly ranked as some of the other teams that were upset, but uh, you know Auburn, you know the, the program speaks for itself and the tradition, and I I did not see that coming, and uh, you know there's there's a lot a, a lot of parity. There's some good teams in that in the SEC, and you better be ready to play every weekend. That just goes to show, and Auburn's not quite ready to take that next step. If you were to look at the team that you think had the most disappointing start to the season after having lofty preseason expectations, John. Let's let's kind of talk about some of those teams. This Wisconsin team was in the top five preseason number four, and they're four and two now, and today they will tumble after a Michigan loss. So that was uh, – Big disappointment. Um, <clears throat> I think that loss to BYU at home uh, really took the wind out of their sails. Then they got have gotten uh, hit with a bunch of injuries. So uh, yeah, that was that one. Uh, they would be one of the key candidates to me for a vastly disappointing start to to the season. I mean, we're going to go through a bunch of them, but but being ranked number four and you know, losing to BYU, and I'm not that surprised they lost to us. I, I felt that, you know, we were going to – I liked Michigan's chances before the season against Wisconsin. But, um, yeah, that's uh, – that, that's. A, I'm sure it's a disappointment to everybody there, and they got to get some guys healthy and, and battle yeah. back. Yeah, the, the, um, the, Horn, the Hornybrook is not uh, – that quarterback's not having a great year, and even, even though he's healthy. So uh, – but uh, Florida he's State have got to make plays. What'd you say? Have, he's got to have guys around him to make plays. I mean, he uh, he needs a little help, and uh, and and you know he's not going to be a guy who's just going to dominate either running the football or throwing it without 
some playmakers. Uh, so, you know, you couple that with a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and that's why they're struggling. Yeah. How about Florida State? Florida State with a new coach comes in and uh, has great expectation, and uh, he's 3-3. Three and three. He was a preseason uh, ranked 19 and uh, currently not ranked. Loses to Virginia Tech, uh, Syracuse, and Miami. Mm. That's not uh, that's not how you want to start the season. So no, no that that uh, that one you know based on the tradition and history of Florida State, yeah, they're breaking in a new coach. Um, I think the cupboard was not left bare. I think that, that what's hurting them down there, uh, I think offensive line has been a bit of challenge for them. Um, so uh, I yeah, that that's another one. You know, when you think of Florida State, you think of a top ten team uh, type program, and and for them to be three and three at this point, I don't I don't think anybody anticipated it, no matter who is driving the bus. TCU three and three in the preseason, number sixteen, um, not ranked today. Losses to Ohio State, very formidable Ohio State, uh, very talented Texas team, a uh, Texas Tech team that uh, that played on a Thursday night and can score against anybody. Um, you know, I, I, I think Gary Patterson does as good a job as, as most or, or, or all, um, but they've yet to play West Virginia. Um, they've played Iowa state and that's, that's a pretty decent uh, win and OU's up this weekend. So really, even though three and three, a lot's to be said about their season, um, you know, in the, in the, in the, uh, the remainder of the season for them. So, uh. John, yeah, they they got their work cut out. I, I don't I don't see this as being a big shocker. Uh, you know, they they play a tough schedule. They got a lot of tough teams, and uh, you know, coming out of the shoot against Ohio State, uh, you know, and then and then you know, with the other two losses to the two Texas teams, that's a that's a that's a that's a big hole. But uh, definitely, I thought they were a top twenty team coming into the the season and uh, they just dug a hole and it doesn't get any easier for them. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they rebound and how they're going to finish. Well, I want you to know UCLA is one of, if if you had to pick the, one of the talented schools in the PAC 12, you'd say USC, UCLA, Arizona state, Washington, Stanford. And then that, and that's it, right? But you surely would not predict UCLA to be one and five under Chip Kelly. Yeah, I, you know, you know whether it's a matter of getting his athletes or his type of players in there and retooling, you know, uh, kind of the the face of of UCLA football. But uh, you know, I, I got to believe that uh, Mora left to them with some some players and uh, to come out of the shoot like that. In, in a league that's not a dominant league, uh, it's it's more of a finesse league, which would play you know into Chip Kelly's type of football. It, 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 it's surprising, very surprising. Penn State certainly is disappointed uh, with the expectations to challenge Ohio, and uh, instead repeated last season's loss to Ohio State and Michigan State back to back, while leading in the fourth quarter. Um, certainly disappointing. But okay, John. 
which of that group that we just discussed did you think is the most disappointing? Uh, I think Nebraska is the most disappointing. Not that there were high hopes for them to contend for a title or, you know, to be a, a even, you know, a, a seven, eight win team. But the, to me, the fact that they're 0 6, uh, that's, and I know what's going on there and, and all that, but to me, that's truly unacceptable. I mean, if you're talking about a preseason ranked team that uh, is a bit most disappointing, uh, I would say it would either be Auburn or Wisconsin, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, overall, I think, you know, like you said, I mean, Nebraska is still Nebraska. And, uh, yeah, they've played some tough teams, but to be winless at this point uh, is, uh, is shocking. I uh, I agree with you. If I had to pick one team, that would be my pick. The other one would be um, UCLA one and five under Chip Kelly. I just think that they're they're not playing the style of team there that is so dominating that you're going to, you know, be out talented as a UCLA team. And uh, a year ago, they made a couple of big plays and 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 some very significant games, um, had some success. But uh, I suspect Chip Kelly will get him going, just uh, not just this moment. Hey, uh, hey, John, let's talk about the spread a little bit. The interesting thing to me is, the, and Chip Kelly is a proponent of the spread offense, and we're going to throw the bubble over here, and if the bubble's not there, then we're going to run it over there, or we're going to throw the ball deep, or in all these uh, spread um, gurus, um, Florida State, they're spread, John. UCLA, oh, spread. I mean, one in five. In the history of the school, Scott Frost has taken his school to 0 and 6. In the history of the school, it had never happened. And because spread, it's the new spread uh, feel, right? Um, Auburn, spread. I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of it, man. I honestly. <laughs> I'm tired of it, okay? You can say whatever you want. There's been versions of the spread for how many years, Les? You know? Forever. For, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, so, so as soon as they it, made it legal for the quarterback to run the football, there was a spread. I mean, because now you, know, you, you, you widen the formation and you give that, you give that an opportunity for a, a, a back, a quarterback certainly, who has an opportunity to move his feet right and left and, and not be tackled, um, and suddenly that spread comes to life. In the end, you got to be able to run the football. Uh, you got to be physical. You got to block. You got to put a hat on a hat. Okay, I I like elements of the spread. Obviously, it's very successful. You want to get your athletes in space, and you know, you know all the great things about the spread. But you got to be able to play physical football, and and when you a yard is a yard, I think, to me, the the perfect uh, equation would be sixty five to seventy five percent non spread, twenty five you know thirty five to twenty five percent spread. Right, it gives you a wrinkle. You have different packages, but you look at the. You know, what's been the most dominant team, you know, in college football in the last 10 years? Now, they're running, you know, some versions of the spread, but they're still, uh, 
you know, they're still lining up and, and playing some some uh, got quarterback under center every now and then. I, I don't know. Maybe we're old school. All right, so we're getting ready now to go through this week's predictions of our key games. For our first game of the week, we got number 22 Mississippi State Bulldogs against the LSU Tigers in Death Valley. Les. Who are you picking? Well, it's easy to pick, It's but you understand what's going to happen. is It's going to be Nick Fitzgerald versus Joe Burrow and the surrounding cast that Joe has at defense, some of those uh, receivers, it's going to make a tremendous difference. I've obviously taken the uh, LSU Tigers. I would concur. I'm going to go with the Tigers, especially at home, and uh, uh, I think they are going to get them by a, a couple touchdowns. The next game we got is number 12, Oregon, at number 25, Washington State. What are you thinking, Les? Well, I, you know what? I just had a conversation with uh, Mike Leach, and I just have a feel for him. And he, I think he is a, uh, a really good football coach, and he doesn't have the most talented team, but I think that he gets them to play and play well. And uh, I, they're playing at home, and I'm, I'm, taking, uh, I'm taking Washington State. You know, uh, they say I guess college game day is going to be there for the first time in Pullman ever. So there will be a, uh, a fired up, uh, a raucous crowd uh, in Pullman. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Ducks. I am going to go with the Ducks uh, coming off a big win. So I will, uh, I'm going to pick the, the Oregon Ducks, and that give them uh, a real leg up in the Pac-12 North if they, can, if they can pull this one off. The next game, we'll go with the, our number six Michigan Wolverines versus the Michigan State Spartans, number 24, in East Lansing. What's your thoughts, uh, Coach? The, uh, the chance that, uh, that Michigan State can win this one is the fact that they're playing at Lansing. I think that is a, an advantage for Michigan State. But I think that what Michigan has done is they got their defense on a roll. I think they're quarterback uh, I think he's growing I think he's I think they're ready to play more um, real uh, team uh, offense defense and special teams football so I I like Michigan I like Michigan too I think we are we're marching we're getting better each week uh, we've not had the success that we've been used to against Michigan State over the last 10 years I think uh, the players have, and coaches have had enough. And uh, Coach D'Antonio does a great job getting Michigan State up to play us. Uh, and uh, I'll take nothing away from, from that and the fact that they're playing in East Lansing. But uh, this is our year, and we're going to take care of business in East Lansing on Saturday. The next one, the number 16, North Carolina State Wolfpack, going in to play Clemson. What do you think? It's an interesting game. The uh, the Wolfpack rushed the football a ton the last couple of years. Right now, they're throwing. They're fifth in the nation in throwing, and they're throwing for 324 yards a game. They're fourth in completions per game with 26. Um, and Clemson is not surprising, the number third ranked national team on total defense. So. Um, I think I think it's 
I think it's Clemson. I think Clemson's got more skill and ability, and if they come to play, I think they beat North Carolina State. I believe the same thing. I, I think as well as NC State's throwing the football and with wide receiver Calvin Harmon's number eight player in the nation in receiving, uh, going into Clemson, uh, number three ranked Clemson is a tall order. And uh, especially, you know, this could be their only remaining game that they have against a ranked opponent. I, I don't see them stumbling uh, at home. So I, I think Clemson's going to handle them at home. Well, John, John Wangler, my friend, uh, that was a, another episode of Less is More. Uh, we'll see if we can uh, maneuver Smacker Miles back into the studio. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, a lot of good football left to play. I uh, wish those uh, uh, that, uh, Wangler family a, uh, a love and, and uh, uh, affection from me. And tell Jared, go get him. Have a great day. The Players Tribute.com.